Hi, I'm Rich Heller and welcome to the Rich in Relationship Lunch and Learn. And today we're talking about relationships and finances. Relationships and finances are hard to talk about because we don't like to think about our relationships viability being contingent on finances. But the reality is that a marriage is like a business in many ways. If you don't have money to put food on the table, if you don't have money that ensures the security and the future of the marriage, then the marriage is going to be stressed and most likely is going to fail. And just to give you some statistics to support that, in, two, in the first two years of a business or a marriage, 10% of marriages fail in the first two years and 20% of businesses fail in the first two years. And the first five years, 20% of marriages fail and 40% of, of businesses fail. So basically, businesses which run exclusively on their financial success, though they've got other things, and marriages which presumably run on love, have the same ratio of failure in terms of two to five years, the same percentage ratio. The numbers aren't the same, but the growth is the same. So there's a correlation there between how many more businesses fail and how many more marriages fail in that five-year period. Here's some statistics to make you think about this more. 70% of, of all Americans have less than $1,000 saved in the bank. That's 70%. Think about this. Nearly half of Americans who are married or living with a partner say they argue with the person over money. So you've got to wonder if 70% of all Americans have less than $1,000 saved and approximately 50, 48% is the actual statistic, of uh, people who are married say they're arguing about it. What's happening with the other 22%? Are they blissfully ignorant? I mean, what's the deal? So there's a lot of information on this and pulling it apart is tricky, but the statistics themselves are very telling about how couples think about money and marriage. UBS recently surveyed couples and found that when you ask them if they share the financial decision-making, the overwhelming majority of both men and women said that they do. So 99% of men said they shared in the financial decision-making. 92% of women said they do as well. That's pretty cool, right? However, when UBS pressed them for details, a different picture emerged. In couples of every age group, from millennials up to World War, the World War II generation, men tend to manage the investments while women take care of paying the bills. And together they make decisions on things like buying a house. Now, that is not the same thing as shared awareness and shared responsibility. Even though women are handling one part of the finance and men are handling another, how much discussion and understanding is that between them that goes on? And if we go back to the original statistic, which is that 48% of them are fighting about it, why is that? And we're gonna explore that further here. All right, so I've got one more number for you. And Actually, two more numbers. This is from CNN. 70% of men are the breadwinners, according to one survey. But of the female breadwinners, 
43% said they leave the financial decisions to their husbands, which supports that earlier UBS finding that women are managing the house and men are managing the investments. Among the 40% of couples where men make most of the decisions, women often report that they feel uninformed and they tend to worry more about whether they will have enough money in retirement. So that makes perfect sense when you consider that men are mostly handling that side of the relationship. And if the if there isn't transparency in what decisions are being made or why they're being made, then of course there's concern. And if 48% of the couples are fighting anyway, then there's gonna be concern. In fact, that 40% isn't that different than that 48. And here one more statistic is that 40% of all divorces are driven by financial fights or financial concerns, 40%. So money is a big part of relationships. We like to think of them as being about love and spirituality and connection to one another and family and the greater good. But if that financial base isn't secure, the relationship isn't secure, just like in a business. So what are some of the causes of this? There are a lot of, how do I put it? There are a lot of distinctions in the way people view money that get into this. And we're gonna go over about 10 of them. First is opposing attitudes towards money. One person might've been raised in a very thrifty household and another person might've been raised in a household where spending money was just how it was done. So if you have opposing attitudes about money, that save versus spend dynamic, there's gonna be tension. If you have mismatched financial priorities, which basically means you have different goals, there's gonna be tension. You know, Maybe one person's goal is that they want to have a $2 million home to live in, and the other person's goal is they're happy in the home they are, they wanna have a summer home they can go to. These are mismatched goals. Credit card debt is an unbelievable source of trouble in relationships, actually in businesses too, by the way. Businesses that rely on credit cards tend to fail more than businesses that don't rely on. I'm not saying use, rely on. So this is about thoughtless spending. The problem with credit cards is it's too easy to spend money and you can spend money outside of what you should be spending or need to be spending in order to remain financially solvent. Here's a good one, financial infidelity. Ooh, and this is a lot like cheating on your spouse. This is where someone's keeping a secret account Maybe they've got a gambling problems, so they're not telling their spouse that they're out gambling. Maybe they've got hidden assets. It's anything that's in secret is a form of infidelity. Another one is overextending their budgets, which is like just buying too much or spending too much, a higher percentage of what they're bringing in than they should be. Did you know that in most families with incomes of $100,000 or more, they are borrowing in order to get by because they are way overspending. They have a perception that they're living at a high level and so that they can, and they're actually borrowing against their future relatively thoughtlessly. Inability to compromise on spending is a constant source of, of tension in marriages. And this could be as simple as one person wants to go out to dinner two or three nights a week, and the other person wants to stay home and eat, eat at home all the time. It sort of goes back to that spend-save mindset. Here's a good one, major impulse buys. And the source of major impulse buys is when they're done without consulting the other partner. Whether you, 
in a relationship where you got a ton of money or whether you don't have a lot of money available, if one partner is out buying really expensive stuff like a new car and not consulting with the other partner about it, this is a recipe for disaster in a relationship. Stress from combining bank accounts. The problem with combining bank accounts is that when everyone's drawing from a single account, it's easier to criticize the other person's spending. So some people recommend that you have, if you both have income, that you both have individual accounts and that you contribute to the joint account and everything in the joint account goes to the family and whatever you're gonna spend on yourself that should be unquestioned by your partner comes out of that individual account. That's one technique. Another technique would be if only one person is earning money, that a certain amount, you both get an allowance, so to speak. But sometimes sharing it all out of one kitty and seeing where it's going causes tension and fighting. Here's a good one for where we are right now. Unexpected major expenses like, oh, I don't know. Uh, you're quarantined for six, eight, 12, 16, 20 weeks because of COVID-19 and you lost your job or your income has been cut or you name it. Um, and in addition to that, you've got like unexpected travel or maybe there's uh, your, your child needs special education that you didn't anticipate for and you need to pay extra for it. These are unexpected major expenses. Interestingly, another tension is spending too much on the wedding. Very often when people are in love, they just spend a ton of money on the wedding without thinking about how it's going to impact their future. And so they start out at a deficit, which is never a good place to begin. Not having pre-marriage counseling or financial counseling even. You know, it used to be when we were a society of smaller communities that were centered around some religious institution that marriage counseling was part of the deal. You went in and you talked to your priest, pastor, rabbi, whatever, about the marriage, and there was a conversation from one generation to the next. And that doesn't happen like it used to. And people don't often seek outside counseling before they get married. There are, there's less structure to pass on the values that worked in a more financially solvent generation to one that is having problems. And last of all is the loss of financial control, which is financial awareness and personal investment. Uh, that loss of financial control is when you just don't know what's going on and you're just, or, you're, or you've given up your personal investment. So it goes back to that earlier statistic of um, men manage the finances, generally speaking, uh, statistically speaking, actually, not it may not be true for everyone and women manage the household expenses so there's a because there's a division of labor and there's trust some trust because the other statistic is that 40 percent of women don't feel secure when they hit retirement age there's a lack of awareness of what the man is doing with the money or lack of awareness what the wife is doing with the money and so that lack of awareness is really what poisons these relationships and by the way you know, as someone who's worked with a number of entrepreneurs, lack of financial awareness is also why we see such tremendous business failure. When business owners do not understand how much to mark up their product so that they can make a profit, 
or they don't understand what they need to do, how much they need to spend to bring in new customers, when they don't understand basic principles of, of business finance, the business fails. When couples do not understand the basic principles of household finance, then the marriage is also more likely to fail. When partners in a business, even though they delegate to one another, do not know what the other person is doing, they don't have financial awareness, they're more likely to have problems in the business. When partners in a marriage have lack of awareness of how the other person is managing their responsibilities, again, there's gonna be tension and a higher possibility of failure. How do we address this? So if you're, if you're getting engaged, let's talk about it stage by stage. Let's say that you're dating and you're getting engaged. I would highly recommend that you get some kind of basic financial understanding. Um, books like Profit First, uh, Dave Ramsey has got a number of books that are really excellent that, that, uh, that will educate you and help to guide you on how to manage your expenses. There are, if you're a business owner, there are a number of basic business books. Profit First is a basic business book that can be applied to, to families and to businesses. The concept is that you want to, you want to have your dreams lined up first and then your, your direct your finances to it. But if you're a couple and you're doing premarital counseling, part of what you want to do is you want to make sure that your values and principles and goals and vision and mission, just like a business are all in alignment. And, you know, even big businesses that have strong finances fail at times because their vision and their mission and their values and principles get out of sync and things start falling apart and their company stops delivering to their clients. Well, marriages are just the same. You know, when your shared vision starts to collapse, when you're off mission, when you're pursuing individual pursuits, you're off buying that car without permission, or you're dreaming of a vacation house when your spouse just wants a bigger home in the town they're living in, when you're out of sync, you're more likely to fight and more likely to have failure. So getting on the same page from the very beginning is super important. The next step is when you get, once you get married, well, obviously you don't wanna to spend too much on the wedding. You wanna have a budget you want to, or, a, or a spending plan, whatever you wanna call it. Some people hate that word budget. But start to have an idea of, all right, if in one year we wanna be here, two years we wanna be here, five years we wanna be here, 10 years we wanna be here, how do we need to budget for that? And always, always start by setting aside uh, a, a safety egg, a, a safety nest, uh, a safety fund. Dave Ramsey recommends that you start with $3,000. And in business and for individuals, what you're looking for is at least three months of operating expenses, which might be a lot more than that. But $3,000 is like what you might need if you needed to go to the hospital and you need to come up with an expense really fast, or it might carry you through a few weeks of COVID-19. But really what you want to put away is three months of operating expenses. And you, if you read Ramsey and some of the other people who write on budgeting, you get an idea of how to do that. And the choice is to either cut your spending or increase your income. And the mistake that most people make and businesses is when they increase their income, they start increasing spending. As your marriage, your business, whatever we're talking about matures, keep talking. You need to have regular meetings, 
monthly meetings about finances, weekly meetings about how you're doing. Talk about if one of you is handling the investment, whether it be the man or the woman, if one of you is paying the household expenses, whether it be the man or the woman, or whether you're a man and a man or a woman or a woman, whatever your relationship is, talk about what's going on. Explain why you have the, the money cut up the way you do. Because honestly, investments and spending at home, they're the same idea ultimately. It's we have a certain amount of money and this is what we're going to use it for. And this is what we expect to get for it. And both of you need to know what's going on on both sides. You need to manage your expectations. If you're getting divorced and you don't have these things in place, it's which 99% of the time is what's going on, by the way, that's where all the fighting comes in. There's a usually a, a big brouhaha about who's going to get what money because the strength of being married is that you have shared spending power and reduced expenses when you're under one roof. When you get divorced, you're doubling your overhead because the other person's got to get a place and you have a place. And the other person and your tax, your taxes go up when you're divorced. And you know, you're, so your expenses go up but you have, still have the same income. And so all of a sudden there's a scarcity mentality and people are fighting over money. And not only that, but they're emotionally, severely, intensely upset. And they are gonna get that money because it represents the love they thought they should have gotten, but they didn't. Or they're gonna take that furniture because it represents the fight they didn't win that they're gonna win now or whatever it is. There's this melding of emotion and finance that happens in divorce. and because it's driven by all the fights and feuds over finance and power that have gone all the way up to the divorce, it's intensified by 10. And so part of the divorce process is separating the emotional from the monetary. And part of the marriage process should be separating the emotional from the monetary so that you're not fighting over money when you're really fighting over a feeling you feel like you're, you're not getting. How do you do that? That's going to be the next Lunch and Learn is about separating the emotional from the material. Thank you. Really appreciate your hanging in there. We went a little over today and have a great, great day.